so we've been in a series uh, called Hidden, and the purpose of Hidden is to put God's Word in our hearts. It's to hide His Word in our hearts. And if you have the little hidden bookmark, you can see that the Scriptures have been swapped for today. And I hope you got that email, but if you hadn't, you can read it on the screen. If you would, please stand to your feet. Now, uh, they must really love me because they gave me the shortest verse. Uh, so it's really, uh, really an easier one to remember. Uh, if you would, please say it with me. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The word of God for the people of God. And the people of God said, you may be seated. Uh, let us pray one more time. Uh, God, please speak. Speak through me, speak to your people, speak to those who are listening on stream. I said you would deliver somebody who's in the bondage of sin. I said you would save somebody by your word and by your word alone. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. It's an interesting text. Uh, the context of the text is Jesus. Uh, he's in his neighborhood. Uh, he moved by a town called Capernaum uh, near the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is taking a walk in his neighborhood. And he sees these two men, Randy. He sees them uh, fishing by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and if we would, I know that our series is called Hidden, but I want you to, to, to journey with me through this theme today uh, of a pursuing Savior. A pursuing Savior. Uh, because the men that Jesus saw, he pursued. Uh, and there are people in the service listening and on stream. Uh, we're all from various backgrounds this morning. But not everyone in church, not everyone listening has the same testimony of how they were pursued by the Savior. I don't want us to believe that we all have the same story. Uh, not all of them sound like I walked down the aisle and Jesus saved me. Matter of fact, I don't know too, millennia, too many millennials that even know that uh, type of testimony. Uh, not all of them say, one day while I was at youth camp, I accepted the Lord. Uh, some don't even say, I grew up with my father and mother leading family devotionals in the home, though those are nice. These are great testimonies, but they don't seem to be the norm in modern times. Uh, some of the testimonies uh, that I've heard seem uh, to be like this, uh, and it seems to be across the board, no matter uh, your social economic state, no matter your ethnic group. Uh, no matter who you are, no matter your culture, it seems that I've been hearing testimonies like this, that one day I was about to commit suicide and something greater than me stopped my hand. Yeah. One day I was surfing the Internet looking at porn, and in the minute uh, I was about to click another site, God immediately delivered me. I've been hearing testimonies like that. Or uh, I love my career. 
more than my family. And one day, I just quit my job to serve the Lord. Or I was in the middle of snorting some cocaine or doing heroin or doing meth in a rural community. And God took the taste out of my mouth. Because somewhere, a scripture was remembered, a Christian commercial on the radio was played, a late night Christian preacher was heard, and God saved them. See, God will never violate his word, but he may violate our methods. Y'all hear that? He'll never violate his word, but he may violate our methods. Therefore, let us not limit God to our salvific paradigms just because the method doesn't fit our religious worldview. See, see, God has a track record for pursuing individuals in what may be considered unorthodox ways. Amen? Amen. Uh, and those he pursues, he calls. Hear me. Those he pursues, he calls. And he calls the unlikely. He calls the unlikely, and he's still calling the unlikely. In the book, Introduction to Global Missions, uh, the authors write this. Jesus called his disciples to salvation, service, and missions. The biblical examples of a call are not prescriptive of how every call should be. We should not view them as precedents in order to make a checklist to compare against our own experience. Rather, the biblical examples are descriptive of what happened when God called people at various times in biblical history. Amen? So, so the Bible records God calling people either by his audible voice or through the voice of others, more often than not. So, so the Bible shows us, Matt, how he calls people through his audible voice or through the voice of others. And we can trace historically throughout the Scripture him calling the unlikely, in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 6, we find God calling a drunk guy named Noah uh, to build an ark. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham, an idol worshiper, to leave, his to leave his homeland, to go to a place he would show him. In Exodus chapter 3, God called Moses to lead the children of Israel. In 1 Samuel 16, God called David to be king through Samuel. In Esther 4, God called Esther through her uncle Mordecai to save the Jews. In Luke chapter 1, God called Mary through the angel Gabriel to give birth to the Savior. And here, Matthew records Jesus himself calling the unlikely. That's good news, isn't it? See, there is no one on God's green earth, too lost for God to find, or too far for God to reach. 
That's hope. That's good news. That there is no one that is too lost for God to find or too far for God to reach. So keep praying for your family member. Keep praying for your friend. Keep praying for your neighbor. Keep inviting your coworker to church. And I've said this and I'll say it before, whether you ascribe to a doctrine that believes Jesus called you or whether you ascribe to a doctrine that believes you accepted him, you are both correct and you're both correct only because of the sovereign grace of God, amen? Yeah. What is more important than any of our theological preferences is the authority of God's Word. And in the Word, we find the Word made flesh, and He said. He said. Matthew 4.19, it records it. It says that Jesus said. He spoke. He engaged. He initiated. He pursued. He pursued Peter and Andrew. And Jesus knew what type of men these were, yet he still pursued them. Uh, there was nothing special about them in society's eyes. Wasn't nothing special. They didn't have no good resume. Wasn't nothing good. They were just hardworking, blue-collar men, doing their job, familiar with smelling like sanitation, had blood and dirt under their fingernails, hardworking guys, clocking in early before the sun rose, leaving work when the sun was gone. Hardworking men. And Jesus wasn't surprised nor intimidated by these men. And Jesus isn't surprised by any of us either. Amen? You're going to talk back to me, 9 o'clock. Amen. He doesn't avoid the smell of death and sin in people's lives. God, that's good. Jesus knew what he was pursuing when he called us. And if you are a Christian, the reality is we are all the unlikely, all of us. So we have no way uh, to, to, to look down on anybody else. We're all the unlikely. If you look in the mirror, you're not that special and neither am I. We are all the unlikely. On your best day, you are still the unlikely. On my best day, we are still the unlikely who God called, amen? And the cross that Jesus died on, it, it levels the playing field. See, at the cross, there are no big I's and little U's. At the cross, there is no varsity and JV. It levels the playing field at the cross, amen? Yeah, we are all leveled in God's kingdom. So, so let us never forget where we were and who we were when God called us. And we need to share our testimony. Uh, we need to share the testimony of how we've been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. People need to know that we didn't transform ourselves, amen? It wasn't my pedigree. It wasn't the job I had. It was only by the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And people don't need a watered-down or inflated version of yourselves. They, they don't need the imitation of life. We don't need to impress people. We don't need to protect our little fleeting reputations. We are going to be dust. 
From the dust we came and from the dust we will return. Amen? Amen. And Paul, uh, he was an example of this. He would write in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16. He, he says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world. That means he pursued to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul was very aware that his religious practices and his attendance wasn't what called him out of sin. People have asked uh, this week, what, what, what's, what's a called person? I was talking to some guys, they, they were like, what, what does it mean to be called? And, and simply put, a called person admits that they are nothing without Jesus and their entire life reflects it. Amen? It's reflected in where we invest our money. It's reflected in how we spend our time. It's reflected in the ways that we use our gifts and ability to bless others. It's reflected in repentance, in turning from sin. That is a called person. Jesus said. He called the unlikely. He said to them. Them is plural. It's them. And what did Jesus do with the them? What did he do with the them? He took the them and he formed a new community for himself. Amen? And this type of community is not done in isolation. Don't be fooled. People can still come to church, yet live in isolation. It's easy to attend this big corporate gathering once or twice and remain isolated from authentic community. And isolation, it will lead to spiritual deterioration. The more time we are away from intimate fellowship, from the body, the more likely we are to drift back into sin and hiding. Uh, last week, Joshua Chapman, uh, he brought up Hebrews 10.25, and it reads this, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you see the day drawing near, mm -hmm, the concept of church is not just Sunday morning worship. And this is not normal for nominal Christians and non-Christians alike. Uh, matter of fact, in Richard Hayes' book, uh, The Moral Vision of the New Testament, uh, he writes, and I quote, the church is a counter-cultural community of discipleship. And this community is the primary addressee of God's imperatives. Uh, the biblical story focuses on God's design for forming a covenant people. Thus, the primary sphere of moral concern is not the character of the individual, 
but the, but the corporate obedience of the church. So, so what is Hayes saying? He's saying that the community is not about me. Biblical community is not me-centered. Mm -hmm. Community isn't an individual, but rather the whole. We are only the church together. And community, it doesn't make sense in many of the local bars or country clubs, even the CrossFit gyms, fraternities, which I'm in, or sororities, where some people will settle for counterfeit community. At any time of the day, we can find individuals in some of these places who know about each other but aren't deeply known by each other. They, they know about each other's career. They know about the schools uh, that their kids attend. Uh, they know about the car that each person drives. They even know about the zip code that you live in. They even know what party you are a part of. They know how you vote, and they like that. But it's not real community. It's counterfeit. In the words of Sherry Turkle, she says that these people are alone together. Yeah, they're together, yet alone. And the community is a church body speaking into each other's lives, being built up to the maturity for the glory of God with Jesus' spirit leading and his gospel at the center, driving. Let me say it again, that the community is the church body speaking into each other's lives, being built up to maturity for the glory of God. It's not for my glory. With the spirit of Jesus leading and the gospel at the center driving. Amen? And we shouldn't be ashamed uh, or embarrassed to be the church. I'm not ashamed to be the church. You should not be ashamed to be the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the holy, the set apart, peculiar people, the assemblies of God, his community. Amen? Amen. So, 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 so Jesus, he said... Calls the unlikely. To, to them, the plural, he forms a new community. And what does he say to them? He says, follow me. He, he gives to them a loving command. And, and what makes this a loving command, Harvest? Uh, it's loving because Jesus understood culturally as Jews these young men desired to follow a rabbi. And secondly, he knew that following him carried eternal significance. That's a loving command. Follow me. And the Gospel of Matthew is filled with these imperatives. It's filled with these commands. Uh, the phrase can be translated, come hither, or come here now. I like that one because it sounds like I'm talking to my kid. Come here now. Y'all know that one. Y'all say it all the time. I see you when they're running around. Uh, but then the, the last one that I love the most, uh, it's translated, come behind. Uh, it, it's a picture of evangelism, two sides of the same coin. Uh-huh. 
they were being commanded to come behind the authority of Jesus in obedience and to be led by him. Come behind. Follow me. And John had preached about this Jesus in their hearing before he was in prison. Uh, some of you might remember the scripture uh, or, or the sermon that John preached uh, in John 1:29 that said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Uh, these men, they heard it first. And I would argue that their hearts were already prepared by the preaching of John in order to obey the loving command of Jesus, follow me. And this command that Jesus gave, I don't want you to think that it was burdensome. Uh, it, it wasn't a command from a suppressive dictator. Uh, it, it was not a command of subjugation uh, as by the Egyptians or by the Babylonians or by the Roman government or by the colonizers. No, Jesus' command to follow was one of love. It's a command that lovingly invited them and lovingly invites us to leave the bondage and burden of sin. Jesus would eventually talk to a crowd of people, and Matthew will record this in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Harvest easy and light are not to be confused with safe. If following Jesus is dangerous, it's not safe. Paul Tripp would say that it's a dangerous calling. See, following Jesus can't be done in your flesh. You can't white-knuckle it. You, you can't willpower your way into following Jesus. See, Peter and Andrew's whole purpose would be changed, that they would now live and die for Jesus. They, they would live and die telling the world about Jesus. That They would go after men and women compelling them to live and die for Christ. And I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's dangerous. Amen? See, see Jesus, he didn't have any gimmicks. And I don't have any gimmicks. I don't have a bouncy ball. I don't have a light show. We don't have any smoke and mirrors at harvest. Jesus has no gimmicks. He, he didn't say, I, I, I will make your fishing business increase. He didn't say, I'm going to make you famous if you follow me. He didn't have any gimmicks. He didn't promise them a bigger boat for the sea. He didn't say, I'm going to heal all your diseases, and I'm going to take away all your family debt. I'm going to pay all your fishing boat loans. He didn't give them any false hope. He didn't give them any false assurance because following him was dangerous. And the only thing safe and secure in fishing for men is the soul of the fisherman. The only thing safe and secure in fishing for men, and hear me, I understand it's 2018, in fishing for women, 
is the soul of the fisherman. And for three years, he would show them personally how to do it. He would show them how to keep on reproducing and reproducing the process through others. And he would teach them, the ones who left comfort, for, they left the, the something limited to follow someone eternal. Yeah. And the church universal and the church local is the evidence that Jesus was committed to them and they were obedient to him. Amen? Late professor and homiletician Walter F. Adney, he says this, and I'll close here. He said, only they can serve Christ who follow, and those who follow him serve. Our Christianity is not seen in the creeds we profess, but in the way we, in the way we, we go. So, so that means I can't boast about being Southern Baptist or being Reformed or being Presbyterian. Those creeds mean nothing. It's about the person that we follow and the way in which we go. And today, there are two groups that are being presented with a direction in which to go. Uh, the first group should go in the direction of salvation. And that doesn't come by any man-made tricks. That's only a work of the Spirit on your heart because Jesus is pursuing you. And I want you to know that we will all spend eternity somewhere. But where you put your faith, hope, and trust determines where that place will be. Amen? So there's a first group. And you need to go in the direction of the pursuing Savior. But then there's another group. And I'm a part of this group. We are the ones who have already been saved. We are the Christians. And that direction, we need to go in the direction of the lost. Why? Because Jesus pursued us, and we need to pursue the lost. Amen? The pursuing Savior. It calls the unlikely. He forms a new community. He gives a loving command. A command that we ought to keep doing, keep following him and pursue others so they would follow him as well. Amen? Amen. Let us pray, Harvest. God, we thank you this morning uh, for your word. Uh, only your word can do what it does. We pray that it would go out and not return back void. Uh, that your spirit would save, Lord God, someone who needs you. And that you would deliver someone who's already saved, but they might be backslidden. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen.